Very good morning. It's great to be with you. It's so good to be here today. Now, um, I presume most of you are like me and have travelled here today in your uh, motorised metallic chariots. Um, It's so interesting to see um, Jesus uh, coming into into Jerusalem, not on a a motorised chariot, not even on a stallion, uh, but humbly on a donkey. Well, Bishop Tom Wright likened Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to the fishing boat, the Andrea Gale, in the middle of the so-called perfect storm. You might recall, and you might have seen that, that movie, um, on the 30th of October 1991, there were three large weather systems that collided in the North Atlantic Ocean off the coast of sort of America and Canada there. And they produced what the National Weather Service called the perfect storm. And it was such a rare and bizarre turn of events that it's been described as the meteorological equivalent of the Big Bang. So how did this come about? Well, every year from mid-October to mid-November in New England, there are quick and dramatic changes in the weather as it transforms from autumn to winter. In 1991, it was no different Uh, There was a powerful nor'easter weather system that developed out of two main components. Uh, There was a massive low-pressure system moving south from Canada uh, with anti-clockwise winds. And as it moved south, it encountered an Arctic high-pressure system with clockwise winds, which was moving north. The two systems collided over the Atlantic Ocean to create what they called the Halloween storm. And this caused waves of over 100 feet on the 30th of October and led to extensive flooding and damage. And then in a freak of nature, like adding petrol to the fire, a hurricane coming in from the Atlantic brought some tropical energy to the mix. There were ferocious winds of over 120 kilometres an hour and colossal waves. Meanwhile, as this storm developed, the crew of a a 70-foot fishing boat, the Andrea Gale, was fishing for swordfish in the North Atlantic. Their crew of six, sadly, along with seven others on the land, died in this storm. The Andrea Gale and its crew were never recovered and only small debris was ever found. On the mainland of America, there was $200 million of damage as hundreds of houses were destroyed or were severely damaged. So Bishop Wright likened this to Jesus entering into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Jesus rode in, as you would say, to the perfect storm. See, the crowd were ecstatic with anticipation. At last, their dreams were going to come true. They'd found the one. They were singing, they were dancing, they were shouting and cheering. You can imagine the sort of carnival-like atmosphere that would have been there. The palm branches waving and they they sort of made a red carpet welcoming their king onto the the path there with their cloaks and their, their palm branches. The singing and the shouting and the cheering were there that day, but they didn't last forever. See, amidst that celebration and that joy, Jesus himself wasn't singing and dancing. He was in tears. Luke records Jesus weeping over Jerusalem at this time. See, the truth is the people's dreams were coming true. 
he really is the one. But they were coming through in a way that they didn't expect. So what were the three elements of the perfect storm that Jesus rode into on this donkey? Well, first, the storm sweeping in from the west, the superpower, Rome, with its increasing social, political and military reality. About 70 years before this, uh, Julius Caesar was assassinated and that threw Rome into a long and bloody civil war from which Caesar's adopted son, Octavian, emerged victorious. Octavian then somehow decided that his adopted father was divine. And so he took on titles meaning majestic, worthy of honour, and he officially became the, the son of God or the son of the divine Julius. Years later, Octavian's son, Tiberius, took on those same titles, including chief priest and son of God. And now in Jesus' time, Tiberius' Roman army, a social and and political and military superpower, uh, was spreading across the Middle East to claim these raw materials of grain, not unlike the oil-based conflicts that we see in the same region today. And so Roman military control in Jerusalem had these soldiers who were loyal to Tiberius, the the chief priest, the son of God, the divine. And so you can see Jesus riding into this situation, the true son of God, the true divine one, the real high priest. How is this going to fit together? Well, the second component of this storm, the high pressure system, if you will, is Israel's expectations the Jews were seeing Jesus fulfilling some scriptural promises. And throughout the Old Testament, the scriptural promises um, seem to be being fulfilled, that the, the Jews, when they're in hard times, like they are now, are delivered out of the hands of their enemies and to, to God's appointed goal. This is most clearly seen in the story of the Exodus, which they are just about to celebrate at the Passover. And so at the forefront of the Jews' minds, they had this sense that God was doing something powerful. He was at work. He was going to deliver them. So they expected Jesus to then be confronting the tyranny of Rome. However, this seemed to be no time to be a small fishing boat out in the middle of a storm or uh, a would-be Messiah sitting on a donkey coming into Jerusalem. Well, the westerly winds meet the high-pressure system and we've got the Halloween storm, but what about the hurricane that adds fuel to the fire? Well, throughout Israel's story, as recorded in the Old Testament, there was one highly unpredictable element, God himself. God is always free and sovereign. And over and over again, the way that Israel thought their story was going ended up being different to God's plans. And Jesus knew that was happening again. God had promised to come back and return his people in power and glory and establish his kingdom on earth as in heaven. And they hoped that it was in a military way to establish the physical nation of Israel. But all of the prophets, including John the Baptist, warned that God would come in power and in person 
but on his own terms, with his own purpose, and that his people would also come under his judgment if their goals didn't line up with his. So Jesus knew he was fulfilling the prophecy recorded in Zechariah chapter 9. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march in the storms of the south and the Lord Almighty will shield them. They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. The Lord their God will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. But this is a different kind of power and glory than the Jews were expecting. Their their limited goals of national pride didn't even scratch the surface of the real power and the real glory that Christ was bringing in. So as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he, he wept saying, if only you had known on this day what would bring you peace. He's saying, you've, you've got it wrong. You're excited because you think I'll establish a nation for you here and now. But your dream is tunnel vision, like Fran said. It's so limited and it's off track to what God is doing with his big plans. He says, you too, house of Israel, will face judgment and punishment because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This was the key moment, the turning point in Israel's history. But they were all looking the other way. Their dreams of national liberation, pursuing a head-on collision with Rome, were not God's dreams, not God's plans. God called Israel so that through them he might redeem the world. But Israel themselves needed redeeming too. And so Jesus, as God in the flesh, rides into Israel on the donkey, fulfilling this Zechariah prophecy, announcing a peaceful kingdom and also announcing God's judgment on the city that's gone off with its own hopes and dreams and forgotten about God's plans. Throughout Jesus' public life, he demonstrated the rescuing, redeeming love of Israel's God. But Israel's leaders and Israel's capital city couldn't see it. They did not recognize the time of God's coming to them. So this divine hurricane sweeps in from the ocean and to accomplish its purpose, it must collide with the cruel western wind of the secular empire and with the high-pressure system of Israel's dreams and ambitions. And Jesus seizes the moment, this exodus moment, this Passover moment, to demonstrate the sovereign freedom and presence of God over his rebellious, uncomprehending people, as much as over the tyranny of Egypt in the original Passover. So today, as we approach this Holy Week, we consider the place of this divine hurricane of love where it collided with the expectations of the people and the secular empire. And as we reflect on these, this combination of storms here, it helps us to understand the meaning of Jesus' death. 
to understand how the true son of God, the true high priest, has indeed become the king of the whole world, not just of Israel. And this, in turn, helps us to understand all of the things that preoccupy us as we consider Christ on the cross. Uh, in, in our situation, we get caught up in our own little storms. Um, we, we have the pressures of the world around us, the winds of this age to sort of get on, to play the world by the world's rules and sometimes to lose our integrity. We have all of our hopes and our dreams and our expectations We want to have family close by. We want to have some money. Uh, We want to enjoy some respect from those around us and have our life experience and our wisdom recognised. But as our hopes and dreams meet with the, the winds of the age around us, how do we make sure that our own hopes and dreams don't just turn into self centered idolatry? As we enter this, this holy week and begin to consider again what Christ accomplished on the cross, we should be praying for this third element. Where is God in all of this? We don't want to be like the Israelites in Jesus' day and just call upon God to back up our plans and dreams and hopes. These are the two, these are the weather systems that we live with all the time. But in this moment, and as we approach this week, we're called to open ourselves up to God, to the third weather system. And if we try to follow Jesus in faith and hope and love on his journey to the cross, we'll find that the hurricane of divine love, which we tremblingly call God, will sweep in from a fresh angle fulfilling our dreams by perhaps even shattering them first and bringing something new out of the dangerous combination of our hopes and our dreams and our culture. So let's not be surprised if during this process there are moments when it feels like we're sucked down under the waves miles from shore. Maybe we would be weeping for a dream that that had to die, for a kingdom that's coming in a way that we didn't expect. I'm sure we can all relate to those experiences, those experiences of, of, of human suffering and that great longing that we share that God will reach in and, and fix our suffering in our way. And this is part of our real experience of being caught up in Jesus' perfect storm. He doesn't always answer our prayers in our way. But his way turns out to be far superior, far better than we could hope or imagine. Just picture those disciples on the road to Emmaus after the cross. And they say, we had hoped, we had hoped, but now it's all gone wrong. Well, right then, they were on the verge of hearing a fresh new word, a word of hope. This word that comes, that the storm has been stilled, the enemy's been conquered. Now we have Jesus' victory and we can live in it. We have a new way of peace, a way that's better than we'd ever imagined before. There's so much bigger than what our small dreams had been. So let's open ourselves up to the vast possibilities that are beyond our dreams and imaginations. We cannot even fathom what might happen if we all approach this coming week 
praying humbly for a powerful, fresh wind of God to blow, that he would cut through the cultural pressures, that it would cut through our hopes and dreams and bring about his wonderful purposes here and now on the earth. We may well end up suffering, sharing in the sufferings of our Messiah, but all the better to come through into the new life that he longs to give us. Let me lead us in prayer. Our loving Lord Jesus, you surprise us again and again. You enter Jerusalem not on a stallion or in a chariot, but on a donkey. You subvert our expectations, and sometimes our dreams seem crushed and broken. But Lord, your way is so much higher, so much better, so much more wonderful than we can imagine. And we pray, Lord, help us to embrace your way. Lord, come and work powerfully today. Work in our lives, in the lives of our family and friends, and deliver your good news in your way to transform our culture, to transform our dreams, and to draw us into your dreams and your plans. Lord, we long for this this wonderful life that you've promised us and help us to enter into it fully as we see Jesus' uh, death on the cross and rising to victory. Help us to embrace his way. Come powerfully, we pray, by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen.